Hello everyone, my name is Camille, I'm a student here at Georgia Tech, and welcome to my very first podcast, Disney in Asia. In this podcast, we'll be traveling to all the different Disney parks in Asia, from Shanghai to Hong Kong to Tokyo, and exploring everything from attractions to food to the shows to see how they compare to the parks here in the U.S., We'll also have a bonus podcast where we explore the story of Mulan, looking at the historical origins and comparing that to the animated classic from the 90s, as well as the brand new live action version. Alright, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. Today we're going to talk about Hong Kong Disneyland. The park originally opened in 2005 and is located on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. And since its opening, it has seen over 64 million guests walk through its doors. When the park first opened, it had four themed lands. Main Street USA, designed to resemble a classic American Main Street. Tomorrowland, which was a beautiful vision for the future. Fantasyland, themed after all of our favorite fairy tales. And Adventureland, modeled after the unexplored jungles of the world. Now, some of you who are more familiar with the parks in the US might be thinking, but what about Frontierland? How could they leave that out? Well, in 2009, they announced an expansion to the park that included a Toy Story Land, a Grizzly Gulch, and Mystic Point. Toy Story Land is very similar to the one that exists in Hollywood Studios today. Grizzly Gulch is more of the Frontierland-type vibes, with its classic mining town feel. And Mystic Point with a mysterious and supernatural theme. Now, within all these themed lands, there are a lot of attractions that are truly classics that are found across Disney parks worldwide. Hong Kong Disneyland is no different. It has your classic attractions like the Cinderella Carousel, the Jungle River Cruise, Dumbo the Flying Elephant, it's a small world. Yet, just like most of the other Disney parks around the world as well, it has its own unique attractions that make it special. One of the most notable is Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor officially opened to park guests on May 17, 2013, and is located in the Mystic Point area of Hong Kong Disneyland. Now, it's similar to the Haunted Mansion in a few regards, really just being some of the techniques and optical illusions present, like the busts that are carved to follow you as you move, and certain aspects like that. But essentially, it's more of a lighthearted, adventurous theme instead of focusing on spirits and death in the afterlife, given Chinese traditional culture. So really what this ride is, is it follows the story of Lord Henry and his pet monkey, Albert. So Lord Henry Mystic acquired an enchanted music box, and once the monkey opens it, everything in the house comes to life. So it's a very fun ride for families of all ages that incorporates a lot of really cool special effects and optical illusions, so it's definitely become a favorite to this day. In addition to really cool, unique attractions and beloved classics, Hong Kong Disneyland also has amazing entertainment. From the Flights of Fantasy Parade to Disney Paint the Night and the We Love Mickey projection show, there's definitely something for everybody. For fans of the retired Main Street Electrical Parade that was popular in both Walt Disney World and Disneyland in California, Disney's Paint the Night Parade is an incredible LED parade, nighttime spectacular, that utilizes over 740,000 individual lights. According to the Director of Entertainment and Costuming of the Resort, it took the team over two years to create. In addition to what sounds like spectacular nighttime shows, parades, and so many fun attractions, Hong Kong Disneyland has so many snacks that I hope one day to try. I've read many articles on the different dining opportunities and snacks found all across Hong Kong Disneyland, and among those, the most popular for sure 
are the Mickey-shaped and Disney character-shaped dim sum because not only are they delicious, but they're just so adorable and you cannot find those in any other park around the world. In addition, they have super famous pineapple bread, which apparently is a very popular treat in the Hong Kong region as a whole, but this sweet, tasty bread is actually shaped like a pineapple at Hong Kong Disney and has received raving reviews from many visitors. Two other treats you can try at Hong Kong Disneyland that are unique to the park are their baked egg tarts found at the bakery on Main Street or the fried squid in Adventureland. Now apparently the fried squid is very chewy, but it's also a local favorite for people from Hong Kong. So if you're not and you're making the trip from somewhere else, you should definitely make sure to give it a try. Now regardless of everything Hong Kong Disneyland has to offer, it's still criticized by many people for its small park area and its small castle. But in 2018, construction began on a plan to expand the park to include a Frozen-themed land, a Marvel-themed land, and an entire castle makeover. The castle original to Hong Kong Disneyland was a replica of Sleeping Beauty's castle from Disneyland in California, which is smaller than Cinderella's castle in Walt Disney World and the castles in all the other parks. The castles are a main focal point in the park and are super important and essential in the park's entire design and flow. And what's really unique about the new expansion and the entire makeover they're planning for the Hong Kong Disneyland castle is instead of just transforming it into the Cinderella castle or another castle based off of a princess, they're creating an entirely new castle that has elements from all of the Disney princesses and their kingdoms with designs reminiscent of castles belonging to Ariel, Princess Jasmine, Belle, even Moana and Mulan. From classic princesses to newer ones, almost all of them are represented in some way, shape, or form in the new castle's design. And frankly, after seeing concept arts and photos that were leaked of the construction that's gone on, I think it is the most beautiful castle out of any of the parks. In regards to the other aspects of the expansion, Hong Kong Disneyland was the first park to have a Marvel-themed attraction, the Iron Man Experience. And now it will be the first park to have an entirely Marvel-themed land, with attractions already set to include Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., newer Marvel characters seen both in movies and on TV. Originally, Hong Kong Disneyland was the only park scheduled with a Frozen-themed expansion, but Disneyland Paris will also be receiving one in the coming years. Within this Frozen-themed expansion, there's not a lot that we know other than the fact that it will be based around Anna, Elsa, and their beloved friends and located in the beautiful kingdom of Arendelle. What we do know, based on a sneak peek of photos released in June 2020, is that there will be the Wandering Oaken Sliding Sleighs, a roller coaster similar to that of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train that opened in Walt Disney World just a few years ago. In addition to many rides and attractions, of course, there will be dining experiences and places for guests to shop and buy many souvenirs. Now we've really covered a lot here. We've talked about beloved attractions that we all know and love, as well as attractions that are unique to Hong Kong Disneyland. We've covered the nighttime parades, the daytime parades, the must-try snacks, as well as the exciting new plans for future expansion. But what we haven't talked about yet is the really unique cultural differences that exist as a whole between Hong Kong Disneyland and the parks in America. One thing I find to be very interesting is that Hong Kong Disneyland wasn't created to be a Chinese Disney. It was created to be Disney in China, to offer a truly global experience to visitors. But the park was not doing as well as expected in the first couple years, so more traditional Chinese elements were added to the park over time to appeal more to local visitors. 
While more Chinese cultural elements were added to the park over time, like the god of wealth greeting visitors as they enter into the park, some other elements were there from the park's beginning. After reading many articles on the cultural differences between Hong Kong Disneyland and Disney World and Disneyland in California, one of the most notable differences was the incorporation of feng shui into the park design and layout. Feng shui is the Chinese practice of design to ensure a good flow of energy or qi. There are many elements of feng shui incorporated in Hong Kong Disneyland. For example, the entire park is facing towards the sea and it is surrounded by mountains all around, which apparently is very good for maximizing energy. Water is really important for prosperity, hence there are many fountains situated all across the park. Chinese people also really love lucky numbers. So in the Chinese restaurant at the Disneyland Hotel, there are exactly 2,238 crystal lotuses decorating the place because in the local dialect of Cantonese, these numbers sound like the phrase, easily generate wealth. In addition to that, the ballrooms were designed to each be 888 square meters, which is another wealthy or lucky number in Chinese. Also, in the hotels, there are no fourth floors because in Chinese, the number four sounds like the word for death. In addition, the lucky color red is used as an accent color all across the park, especially on Main Street. Considering the park is located in China, language is one of the most noticeable differences between Hong Kong Disneyland and Disney's in America. Park employees speak in English, Cantonese, and Mandarin. What I find to be incredibly interesting are which attractions Hong Kong Disneyland decides to provide in each different language. For example, in an article I read called Localizing a Global Amusement Park, Hong Kong Disneyland by Anthony Fung and Mickey Lee, the authors discuss the differences between the Golden Mickey Show and the Festival of the Lion King. The Golden Mickey Show is conducted in Cantonese with English and Mandarin translations on the screen, whereas the Festival of the Lion King is conducted entirely in English. And although a lot of mainland Chinese visitors are unfamiliar with the story of the Lion King, and they don't really understand much of the plot or the concept of the story, many of them still really enjoy the performance. They can appreciate the quality singing and dancing and the new cultural forms as opposed to the content. Now, while universal stories of good versus evil translate well across all cultures, the same cannot always be said of comedy. There's a beloved attraction in Disneyland and Walt Disney World called the Jungle Cruise. Located in Adventureland, the Jungle Cruise essentially takes you on a boat trip through all the different jungles across the world, while the skipper of your boat navigates you through these perilous waters with witty puns all along the way. This ride is so dependent on language that in Hong Kong Disneyland, there are three separate lines for this attraction, an English-speaking line, a Mandarin-speaking line, and a Cantonese-speaking line, so that guests from all over can enjoy this beloved attraction. I was able to contact one of the authors of that article, Mickey Lee, a professor at Suffolk University, and she was kind enough to answer a couple questions for me. Unfortunately, I do not have her here with me today, so I'll be reading out her email response. My first question was, in your article, Localizing a Global Amusement Park, Hong Kong Disneyland, you discuss the cultural differences of those visiting Hong Kong Disneyland and how more traditional Chinese elements were added to the park to increase attendance like Mickey wearing a Chinese long robe, for example. While the park is meant to be more of a global experience, I read that care was taken to incorporate feng shui into the design of the park. Is this noticeable to Chinese guests that visit the park? And her response was, I'm not sure. I don't believe in it, so I have not noticed any feng shui. However, the hotels are by the sea and there are mountains behind the entire park, so the location is generally considered good feng shui. My second question for her was, do you think Hong Kong Disneyland balances catering to local and international visitors well? She responded, 
I think Hong Kong has always aspired to be an international city, but in the past decade, the overwhelming number of mainland Chinese tourists in Hong Kong made it really hard to see it as international. Hong Kong people generally don't regard mainland Chinese tourists as international. I don't think Hong Kong Disneyland caters to the locals much, especially among middle-class Hong Kong people. They'd rather go to the one in Tokyo instead of the local one. Among my friends, only those with children will go as a regular Sunday outing, but it is not a trip that you plan months in advance. Those without children usually go to the one in Tokyo. During COVID-19, some locals visited the park for the first time because there were few tourists. Now my third question for Professor Lee was a bit more personal and a bit more fun. I said, with the Lion King show being one of my personal favorites in Florida, I've seen it many times. I never once thought about how people unfamiliar with the story might perceive it. You bring up a very good point in your article about the new cultural form being more powerful than the content. You also mentioned visiting the park with your mother. Did you both happen to watch The Lion King show? If so, what was your opinion of it and what was your mother's? And Professor Lee responded, I think we were both just thankful that there was AC and seating. I have not seen The Lion King movie, but know the story. I can sort of follow what the show is about. I think my mother and I were more interested in the technology. There's not really anything like this in Hong Kong. The dancers and the singers were very professional, but we have not gone back since the first time. I think the line was just not worth the wait. In my fourth question to Professor Lee, I talked about how there's an entire culture that revolves around the unique snacks and food in Disney parks in the US. Like one time I waited longer for a special Mickey donut than I did for any actual attraction that day at the park. I'm also planning a trip to Epcot in the next month for my birthday just for the food and wine festival. Can the same be said of Hong Kong Disneyland? Did you have a favorite food from your trip there? Professor Lee said, most restaurants inside the park and hotels are run by a local catering group called Maxim's. Since Hong Kong people don't like overpaying for food, so the Disney-themed food is not necessarily attractive to them. We tried Disney-themed dim sum in a hotel restaurant, but we were rather disappointed. It was not as good as most dim sum places and it's quite expensive. We've also tried the hotel buffet, but we're not impressed. I think the place we like the best is a fast food place that sells barbecue meat. It has no Disney theme. But since the food is not seen to be that good, we left early and went somewhere else to eat. I'd say for Hong Kong people, good food is very important, so I'd rather choose that instead of seeing the fireworks. My final question for Professor Lee was this. As you mentioned, Hong Kong Disneyland has been criticized for its small park area and its small castle. The park has been losing money in recent years, and just recently the castle underwent a new transformation and the park is about to go an expansion costing $1.4 billion. A new Frozen-themed land and a Marvel land are in the works. Do you think this is enough to help the park turn a profit again? And Professor Lee said, I don't think so. The number of mainland Chinese almost dropped to zero because of the protests in COVID-19. Also, the park in Shanghai Disneyland will pull in a lot of tourists. Lastly, a lot of mainland Chinese tourists will also go to the one in Tokyo. Though when I was there two years ago, the tourists were mostly locals. That concludes my interview with Professor Lee. I'm so grateful for her for taking the time to answer my questions. It was so interesting for me to just see Disneyland and Hong Kong through the perspective of someone who's actually visited and been there. Not only that, but did research on the park. She's done incredible work. Everyone should go check it out. So thank you again, Professor Lee. Alrighty, that's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining me. I really hope you learned something new and exciting today. And please stay tuned for the next podcast on Tokyo Disneyland.